With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Man, I love talking ball with James Palmer. Welcome to it. You, you lead the show, James. Let's start off with, obviously, the receiver position. Stephon Diggs goes off, right? Six catches, 120 yards, three touchdowns. And I'm curious about the way Vic Fangio and this defense of the Miami Dolphins really game-planned against him. He insisted he wouldn't shadow Diggs. That's not the way he operates. He probably wishes he had Jalen Ramsey on one side and Xavier Howard on the other, but he doesn't have Ramsey. He doesn't want Howard to shadow. From an offensive standpoint, run me through first at the beginning of a game when you're going out there as a receiver going, I wonder if they're going to shadow or not, because you don't fully know right off the bat, right? No, you don't fully know at all. You always have friends or people in the organization or players that you talk to either on the phone or sometimes you just talk to them before the game. And you get intel or someone slips of the tongue before that uh, that kind of gives you. And then you, you, know, you talk about your kids uh, scurrying off to school. Yeah. Well, right. you scurry on into the locker room and tell the coach, hey, I heard this. <laughs> or someone tells – Someone else. That's what I'm trying to get pregame on the sideline. Right. I wasn't saying on that. <laughs> yes. I'm always doing it. I've had corners come up to me and like just whisper to me while I'm on the sideline. Yo, I'm shadowing today. I'm like, oh, yep. hey, <laughs> Isaac, come to me. I got something good. <laughs> when a wide receiver knows that he has a potential shadow alert, man, you start to now question yourself, but then you question how much of the game plan are they going to help me and protect me? And protection is. Free me up. Yeah, give me an opportunity, right, to line up in different positions. So the anxiety builds up on the game plan. That's really there. Oh my goodness gracious, it's all the way there. Formationally, Z is all is on the side of the tight end where the tight end is on the ball. So Z is off the ball. Mm -hmm. X is not off the ball. X is stationary stand. I have no movement. I, I guess from the offensive side, is there a conversation, right? You, you Once you find out through the first, usually what, for the first 15, pretty quickly you find out in, th- in the, maybe the first 15 that's scripted out, whatever, and you go back on the sideline after your first possession or whatever it is, is there start to be, hey, all right, we're going to, sh- like, you're getting shadowed, Steve. Now we got to do blank, blank, and blank. Is that what ends up start happening? Do you start changing things? Some of it depends on the offense, your coordinator. Yeah. It depends on the type of offense you're in, right? When you're an X, they only can do so much. What they can do is formationally do some things where they could call it a bunch right or a a Trump left, where they can try to, like, certain formations 
bunch right puts you in a bunch formation where they can hide you and give you what they call free access. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give you an opportunity, have a two-way go uh, off the release, get you off the ball, stack you to get you being able to, like, have a a drifter or you can be in the drafting of another uh, receiver, which puts the corner off the ball and then depending on how you release. if you So if you're here, if the a receiver's here and then you're here, mm-hmm. you can do a burst release or you can do a seam release where all of a sudden they in and out. So if he goes in, he goes in. So it's a lot of it's a lot of chess matches. Yeah. But if your coordinator is a checkers player, you in trouble. <laughs> That's what I was wondering, man. Well, like, how about the other side of it, though? Because what we saw in this game on Sunday with Diggs is they were like, oh, we're going to pick on this young receiver, Coho, right? Like, they, they wanted to find ways to get Stefan lined up against him. That's the reverse effect yeah. that I wanted to ask you about, right? Like, so then you go and you find that corner that you want to pick on. When you find out you're not getting tricked, you can then you can almost dictate a little bit more, right? When you're not getting yeah. shadowed, you can dictate. So they were putting digs in motion, finding ways to have him almost find a corner on the field. That's almost the reverse side of it. Then now you're picking on somebody. One of the things that I that I'm finding out with this Vic Vangio style of defense and the Vic Vangio uh, minions, minions, right? The, the minions yeah. or Vic Vangio tree. Is disciples, if you will. Disciples. Yeah. All the disciples seem to be giving up a lot of yards. They may not be giving up a lot of points, but they're giving up a lot of yards. Yeah. And the idea of it is supposed to be no explosives. Well, Brandon Staley is a Vic Fangio disciple or minion, and they were giving up more explosive plays than anybody <laughs> in football. Like, that was like they're getting torched deep. And that's funny because you're supposed to sit there and, and shell everything, right? No, no explosive plays, no. And that it gave, it actually did. If you remember Vic's couple years in 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 Denver, it gave Mahomes trouble. Like it gave Mahomes a lot of trouble. And I remember talking to Pat about it, where he was just like, "I can't stand going against this because I don't know if what I'm really seeing." And then the minute you try to get explosive, he takes it away. But now, over the last, I don't know, this season and the end of last year. It seems like it's it shifted. It shifted because there's more disciples of Vic Vangio throughout the league, which means there are different versions. And so this whole offseason, all these guys now, offensive minds, are sitting there. What happens if we just motion? Or what happens if we condense the formation? Mm-hmm. Here's, here's what I see. You condense the formation, put the receivers it, it within the hash you do that burst it out all guys are going to do is back up you want to talk about how to build the confidence of a receiver and take away the confidence of a db give me free access allow yeah. me re- allow me to release any way i want take me back to college hands on me oh <laughs> college no 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 it's not college you know what it becomes hmm. backyard back yeah true becomes seven on seven but that that's the interesting part like one last point going back to that game steve he doesn't bring a lot of pressure either like there's not a lot of exotic blitzes that come from it and things like that i mean I, i've talked to d linemen that have played in the system that are like man there's a lot of times i'm told just to hold the point of attack and i'm not going downfield in, in a sense then your quarterback has some some options now it, it's a great combination with the right scheme with the right personnel 
Vic Fangio's defense is about not giving up explosive plays, which means you're going to want to get antsy, right? Yep. He, he, That's what he's banking on. It seems on. like yeah, they're banking on can you stay can, can you stay disciplined, poised enough to dink, dunk, right? Yep. Levels. Intermediate, short. Intermediate, short. Most coordinators can't. Yeah. But the problem is now most of these coordinators are all from the same tree. And so they're all playing each other, doing the exact same thing. And that's why there's so much explosiveness in the offenses these days because they're all running some version of the same plays. All right, let's go to, let's go to another receiver that just went off or actually has for the first four weeks, Steve. P- Puka Nakua. We love to say his name. We love to talk about him. Because of the name, I think, mainly. Steve Weich won't shut up about him. Maybe because, you know, he just loves saying the name. But he has more yards, more catches, through his first four games of his NFL career than any player in NFL history. Was it 39 catches, 501 yards through four games? When you, I know you break down all the receivers coming out. And this is a guy, and we're going to talk about why he dropped in the draft for a variety of reasons. But what's your take on him in this Sean McVay offense right now? Because I know you, you want to find a way to describe kind of where he's playing and when Cooper Cup comes back, where he'll be playing and how he'll be used. So a couple of weeks ago when they, he first kind of boomed on the scene, mm-hmm. I said, I don't believe that these guys can coexist because of Matthew Stafford, who's traditionally always honed in on one receiver. Yeah. And then Sean McVay, who in this offense – seems to consistently have one one receiver be the go-to. And that receiver generally in this office is considered the F. Mm-hmm. The F position. And the F position is this. You have your five linemen. The F position used to be fullback. But now in the pass happy league, the F is in the slot. So it's Z, Y, F, X, quarterback, halfback. They're putting Puka formationally in Cooper Cup's position, but he's a Z. Now, the way they were formationally, I assumed that he was playing the F, but because the formation was dictating him to look like the F, I assumed he was an F. I was wrong. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's big of you, Steve. Well, I was wrong, but because I'm looking at it from, man, he's lined up. That's the F position. Of course, yeah. So I'm like, bro, he's playing this position. He is playing this position formationally. Got it. But he's playing Z. Talk to some sources there, and that's what they told me. And then they say, look, when he comes back, he's going back to Z, and now they're going to – and the word they use is the Robert Woods position where when Robert Woods, before he tore his knee, mm-hmm. he had 1,000 yards. Cooper Cup has 1,000 yards. I said yes. But when Cooper Cup really took off, Robert Woods became decoy liberal. So now with Puka and, and, and Cooper Cup, it's going to be interesting. Can they consistently give Cooper his catches and targets and Puka his catches and targets and Ron Williams and Tyler Higby and uh, Tutu Atwell? And that's the thing, Steve. Like, it's funny. When, when I talked to people there, it was, oh, no, no, no. When Cooper Cup comes back, Puka's going to have a role. Now I'm talking, listening to you going like, what's that role? <laughs> Decoy? And the, and the role, I, 
the role is, we don't know what the and I don't think they know the role what the role is gonna look like. He understands playing and sitting in zone coverages, understanding I have a limited opportunity, and ultimately he's a grinder. His game speed is so much faster than his 40 speed. The thing that I I, I keep being told about Puka, I love that you said grinder because, like, if you talk to Matthew Stafford, you talk to guys, and they're like, hey, go look what he does in the run game. Go look what he does blocking. Go look what he does as a physical wide receiver. Like, he actually likes all those other aspects of it. But there's different types of speed, Steve. Like, there's there's situational speed. There's short yardage speed. Yeah. I'm kind of curious, like, where do you see Puka have the speed strengths? I know you say he's faster in a game than you say in a 40. Is it in those small spaces, getting from, you know, from here to here? Even though it's a short distance, you create separation quickly. What's his speed that you see? What I've, what I've noticed in watching his film and even breaking it down, his knowledge of the game. Not every player understands the why. Puka understands exactly. He knows how to be horizontally fast, but he also knows how to be vertically fast when he needs to be. He can manipulate, get in, he, he can go inside, get outside, and still keep the leverage to where he does his route doesn't take him out of the play. His route running ability mm -hmm. makes him become part of the play, even when he's not part of the play, which tells me he understands the whole scheme and what his role is and what the other person role is as well. I'll give you an example. Depending on the defender and how his technique was, I would walk off the line slash skip because the defender knew. The defender was like, man, he's, he's coming off uh, half speed, lazy. Man, I'm in cover two. I got to get to this corner. My responsibility is the corner. I got to bite so he would go and I'll skip off. And I would force the quarterback to look at the corner. And the corner route, it's 15 yards. I'm the first set go. I'm coming off. One, two. Then I would skip. And then the corner. And so the whoever's in the slot will run the corner. He's 10 yards in in his route. Bro, they already throwing me the football because the corner's bailing out. Because he has to respect the corner because they're in zone coverage. Because he knows he has to hold the quarterback for not throwing the ball to give the corner at the on the hatch the safety enough time to get to the corner so the quarterback throw it to me bang catch it and go i would i was able to manipulate the quarterback and the play to get myself the football and that has nothing to do with speed that has nothing to do with speed that has to yep. do with knowledge of the game of my offense and of my defense of the defending defense yeah. I think people don't talk enough about, Steve, speed within a route, right? And not just go, the the ebb and flow of the speed within a route. Like, go talk to a safety, like, say, like a, like a Derwin James or somebody like that about, like, why does it always look like Travis Kelsey is running by everybody when he's not the fastest man on the field? Because of the way he manipulates his speed within the route, right? Like, he lulls you two steps back, and then he takes a uh, an accelerator. Yes. You know what I mean? It's that type of stuff. Like that's what we're talking about with Puka and with Cuff and with yeah. a guy like Travis Kelsey. Like as you get farther and farther into your route, 
the corner is running with you, but he's also processing, okay, at five yards, here are the four routes he can run. Seven to eight, ten yards, okay, he's not running these four, but now he has three options he can run. Yep. And that's where offensive coordinators are paid the big bucks where, yes, you make the guy think you're running an out. You catch a few passes on the out. And soon as that guy gets comfortable, whoops-a-daisy. Because <laughs> he's been beat on it too many times already. All right, let's go, Steve. Let's go to actual speed, though, 40 times speed. That's the Miami Dolphins offense with Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill. These guys are flying around out there. And we want to talk about the guy who's getting them the football, Tua Tungavailoa. Still leads the NFL in passing right now. Mm. But the offense, after putting up 70 two weeks ago against the Denver Broncos, ends up putting up a 20 against this Bills defense. I think Sean McDermott had a very, very good scheme against, against this Dolphins offense and how he attacked it. We're going to break down two a little bit here in, in terms of what do you see. Maybe, I mean, it, I can talk about it, but if you want to talk about what you saw from what the Bills did to take away what we saw that was so successful through those first three weeks. Now, it's not going to, for Bills fans and to the average fan, you know, this is where I, I sometimes get in trouble. This is where... Um, down in the comments, please hit the subscribe and leave your comments. Nice, dude. That was good. But I have to go with some in intel information that I had back when Tua was coming out of college. And he did it. The, the Miami Dolphins under Brian Flores did it. The Buffalo B Bills blitzed the bananas. Big time. Off of Tua. And the reason why is Mike McDaniels has done an extraordinary job of simplifying. Big time. And there's nothing wrong with simplifying. No. He's giving him, if they are this, you go here. If they're that, you yep. go there. Yep. And he's making it one read. And making that one read is why Zach Wilson looked pretty darn good for <laughs> a split second. He did. Right? He, did. he was. They were like, wow, he's anticipating throws. Yes. And so anticipation with the read. But what gets Tua in trouble is this blitz is when he has to process for a very long time, which means I am convinced they need to work on his two-minute awareness, Ooh, meaning sitting there, getting a call, and then looking at the defense and going, okay, no, 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 going through his progressions. Mm -hmm. Tua has yet, and that's what happened. The blitz came. He had to think fast and now fix his own problem that the defense has created by blitzing. He doesn't do it well yet. I think he can, I think he will improve as the season goes on because the Buffalo Bills show if you make him try to problem solve, that's not his greatest attribute. That's something that he needs to work on. And what happens, Steve, in the postseason? What do defense coordinators do? They take away Blitz. everything that you love to do and say, yes. hey, beat us this way. Beat, I mean, put the, put the right arm behind your back. Beat us this way. We're going to take away what you – and I, I, you're right. I will give Mike McDaniel all the credit in the world about the way he has set this up. Every – I mean, it's, 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 it's almost like verbal diarrhea during training camp. What do we say about every coaching staff that comes in? Oh, they're going to come in and they're going to set everybody up to succeed. They're going to play to their strengths, right? That's all we yeah. ever talk about with every coaching staff. And he is doing that. Their biggest weakness as an offense is pass protection. So what happens? Everybody wins early, balls out early, 
to his backpedal and just on the back foot, boom, it's out right away. It's he not even finished his drop. <laughs> it's in the ball's out right away to one of these guys. When I talked to guys in that Broncos locker room, they got absolutely lit up for 70. It was like, listen, we got burnt. I mean, they're not making excuses, anymore, but they did say the same thing that you said. It's very easy on Tua. It is set up for Tua. To, and the other part, that, and this is one of his, his strengths, right? He's very accurate with the football. Like, really, really accurate. Tyreek was not out of line when the world exploded and he said Tua's more accurate than Patrick Mahomes. Like, and it, everybody The went video bananas. just didn't help. No. When you say he's more accurate and the ball is behind you. That, that, was, that doesn't. That doesn't <laughs> I remember that now. He's the most accurate quarterback. Two days later, he's over, he's over there catching down. a punt. Yeah, not anywhere, anywhere near him. But listen, two is accurate. He gets the ball out quick. He's got a quick read. And, and the, the, the system is designed for that. What you're saying is exactly when I talk to people around the league, they're going, when push comes to shove at the end of a game and it's tight, and it's, say, you know, week 18, week 17, or it's, 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 it's in postseason, and you're on the road, and the play has to be elongated, where does Tua succeed in that sense, right? When the play goes long. People have said the same thing about Dak. Like, he's great in those first couple, but then when it breaks down, and now it's a little bit of chaos, you love chaos, Steve. Tua is not a chaos player. Yeah, I, the chaos, you know, for me, I've always – I've always excelled greatly in the two minute because I, you know, we had these four or five plays, six plays that we went mm -hmm. to. That was a standard and the chaos was great. And I loved the chaos originally and early in my career because it was like home, right? It was like growing up back home. And it's like, you got, you throwing the passes, you got uh, trying to get the ball, trying to give the ball to the ref and guys are running around. Everybody's trying to sprint back and they're calling hand signals. And, man, I used to just be whatever side of the field I'm on, and I'm just sitting there going, I'm calm as all get up. Bro, I'm like, this is what I grew up in, so I'm, I'm good. As I got older, I realized, man, that, one, that's unhealthy. That's not a great place to always reside in controlled chaos. And, and, and so it takes you a while to figure it out. But if you really haven't experienced it, it, it can be much. And that's why some, te some teams or some players or some co co uh, coaches, quarterbacks, the two-minute drill sometimes is not always fluid. It doesn't look great. It doesn't seem great. Great example. Transition. The Carolina, my Carolina Panthers. Man, the Carolina Panthers and the fans down here in Charlotte, bro, pitchforks. Are they, they out? Are, man, they hot. As, listen, they hot as fish grease, bro. Hotter than the hotter <laughs> than grease. the Krispy Kreme, fresh out the off the rack when the hot button is going. They are peeved. Now it's Dave David, uh, David Tepper's fault. Oh, since he. David Tepper ain't blocking, catching, <laughs> running, throwing. You know what's worrisome, Steve? They have. What? Uh oh. They uh -oh. have. What's worrisome? They have the lion at the Lions, at the Dolphins, by Houston Texans. So there's a chance they could be. I hate to be the hater on it. They could be zero and six, coming off a of bye, facing C.J. Stroud, who is. Let's let's be clear. The way he has played has helped those pitchforks come out. 
right? Because when you have the when you have the number one pick, where are you in a spot? You have the ability to do what? Pick anybody. When you're number two, you're the Houston Texans. Well, Bryce was gone, so yeah. we picked Stroud. You're in. I don't think people understand like the different position organizations are in in terms of did you miss or did you hit? When you're picking two, the other guy's already been picked. You can't do anything about it. Nope. So even if Bryce is balling, well, guys, we couldn't have picked him. We were picking two. <laughs> what do you want us to do? Now, when you were one and you're going through some growing pains, and again, we are four games in, and he's only played three, and the guy who's going two, who you had the option to pick, is balling out, then it's your organization's in a different situation because you could have well, had the other guy. Every rebuild is different, man, and people don't get that. People are already saying that, Brian, oh, man, we got the wrong guy. Oh, he can't play. He's a bu- It's three games he's played. Three games. Played three okay? games. And if you look at the games, first of all, let's get to what I see what's going on. Okay. Bryce is a processor. He processes with the best of them. Mm-hmm. Can handle a well, lot of information. See, and a lot of information. Mm-hmm. Because of his ability to process, I feel watching the game from the house and watching it several times before I do the pod. It's very called research. Because I'm like, it's like watching a movie. You notice things you don't see when you watch the same movie a few times, you go, oh, I didn't pick that up the first three times. I watch The Sopranos every football season. Rewatch. I do. Do you? Yeah. On the road when I'm wow. in the hotel. Just put wow. The Sopranos on in the background again. I always pick up new things. I mean, it's a complex you show. Think, especially this game. Man, hiking a ball two seconds, one second. It was a few times I thought they were going to stop the play because it was like zero. Because that was their that was their emphasis coming into this game, Steve. Right? They wanted more tempo. They wanted to get to the line of scrimmage quicker, so he could see have a longer period of time to see everything. But almost like that that was kind of what they wanted him to do heading into this game. And they're still almost up against the clock. And so I started to notice Minnesota started to make Bryce make adjustments, and then they were the adjustment was actually playing to the strength of the Minnesota Vikings, which negated and put them behind the chains, mm-hmm. get, got them off schedule, which led to a lot of three and outs. They, they switch, right? They almost forced. They let them get the, the screens early first half. Yep. Bryce isn't hit a whole bunch, right? You know, I don't think he was sacked in the first half. He ends up getting sacked, I think, five times in the second half because then they're like, oh, okay, well, let's, let's try to push the ball a little bit. And then I don't know if Harrison Smith has had three sacks in a season in his life. It three in one game. <laughs> well, they started doing it. The, they, the, the point of the offensive line is not winning the point of attack. Mm-hmm. They're consistently getting penetration, not by one guy. Yeah, they're taking their time. They're taking their turns. Icky's maybe you know Icky's getting a little bit, getting pushed back. Taylor Moe's getting pushed back. Both uh, Bradley Bozeman getting pushed back. Uh, Zavala getting a spin move put on him. What you're seeing is a young team who a coaching staff who's trying to implement their system with some of the players that they want, some of the players that they drafted, and then some of the players they've inherited. 
right, that they inherited that can be a good player, but not after one offseason of learning who that player is and putting our offense together at the same time and discovering what that player is not on the football field. All in, you know, it's, it's baptism by fire and learning and evaluating all at the same time. Oh, yeah, and it happens to be in the game. Yeah. So both these organizations are going through it at the same time, right? I, you would say D'Amico Ryans is doing the exact same thing in Houston with players that he drafted, players that he inherited, and, and trying to figure all of this out. The one thing, Steve, that does stand out to me a little bit in these two quarterbacks as they're both a new offense for everybody, everything feeling out is I feel like Stroud has, and this is a feather in his cap, figured out the importance of negative plays. Like he has figured out how negative plays kill drives, kill games, put you in the loss column. Like he learned that week one, it seems like. But the point is you can't hurt your team. And I think that's the one thing Stroud is, is kind of understanding. Because, listen, it's not like their offensive line's great and he wasn't sacked last week by the Steelers. Like, how does T.J. Watt not even get home once against that offensive line? And, and the Houston Texans have figured out why and how, and they have so many different type of playmakers. Okay, I want to get into that. I want to get into compared that. Compared to the Carolina Panthers, the Carolina Panthers playmakers are a little bit all the same. Right. Okay. And what I mean by all the same, Adam Thielen is savvy. He's older, but Adam Thielen doesn't have the the long speed that he used to. And well, he never was fast. I even said on a, another podcast about um, about Keenan Allen, like he was, you know, he's been considered a deep threat. Man, deep threat has to do with when he catches the ball twenty plus yards. Can he get the fifty fifty ball? Doesn't matter how he gets there. 100% agree he's just going to get the ball. If you catch the ball 25 plays, that's called ex- tw- 20 yards plus. That's considered an explosive play. That is a negative for the defense. That gets defensive coordinators fired. And if you minimize that and you cause enough havoc plays, that gets a defensive coordinator elevated to become a head coach one day. The Carolina Panthers kind of have all the same players. Interesting. Adam the opposite Thielen. of the builder, the opposite of build your basketball team. Yes, they, the the speed guy is DJ Chark, but DJ Chark is you know he's he's been nagged with a little bit of a hammy. Jonathan Mingo is trying to figure it out, but the guy that I, it seems there's a little bit people are are a little bit down on is Terrence Marshall Jr. My problem with Terrence Marshall Jr.'s expectation that all these people have is when you go back and look at the history of Terrence Marshall Jr., go back and look when his his when you started hearing the buzz about what kind of player he is. I don't think Terrence Marshall Jr. is a bad player. I, I, I like him. I think he can play. Okay. But the expectation, the unrealistic expectation is, one, he's he lacks ex- – He's a, an experienced playmaker. Because of his look situations. At, yes. You look at his situation coming out of college. His freshman, sophomore year, he had Justin Jefferson. He had Jamar, Jamar Chase. Chase, T. Higgins. His quarterback was Joe Burrow, right? You're, you're balling because you're playing against the fifth starting. You're playing against the fifth corner on the team. 
because uh, Justin Jefferson, he got the number one. Mm-hmm. Jamar Chase has the number one or the number two. Justin Jefferson has the number one, number two. T. Higgins has the two or three. And then TMJ has the third or fourth or fifth corner. Now, let me tell you, the mm. fifth, cor- the fourth or fifth corner that's covering anybody in college is very rarely not on a roster right now. No. He is not playing in the National Football League, and he damn sure ain't the starter on the NFL team. So when you're balling against the fourth corner, you're going to put up numbers because you're playing with Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. I'm not knocking Terrence Marshall. I'm just saying. Well, I mean, he's got to go out and play. Elevate. I mean, that's all. Yeah, he's not, it's not like his, his fault. Yeah. yeah, it's not his fault. But then now you come in here and if you watch him play, like there's a play right now we should be running, bro. I watch him catch the ball. And, man, he gets – he throws a move that the defender does not take. He throws he – ca- he goes in motion, catches the flat, throws a move, and gets flipped. I'm like, that move – that against the fifth corner, against the fourth corner, in LSU in college, man, that's a touchdown, bro. But is he – he's learning that, Steve, right? You've got to learn who you're going – oh, this used to work. This, it, it ain't working. It ain't today. working now. Not, 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 uh. But I always look at that when you talk to teams around the league. It's how quickly are these guys learning that? I mean, one that jumps out at me is we were just talking quarterbacks. Like talking to people in Indy, they were like, Anthony Richardson kind of, I don't want to say figured out. Nobody figures him out, but kind of understood the size, speed, and strength of Aaron Donald by the end of the first half. Like just was like, oh, okay, this is something I've never faced before. Um, not saying he's consistently successful about it, but you got to start to learn the speed of the game. And it with rookies, it's always how quickly are you learning it in your new well, situation? Well, and it varies by everybody. Hold on. Geno Smith, you heard that edit the other couple of weeks ago play against Aaron Donald. He thought he was going to see Jesus. On third down, Smith pressure comes late. And- yeah. Oh god, oh god. Oh somebody get him. <laughs> If you do it long enough and and is who you are, you forget the cameras are there. You just like, hey man, that was a bogus call. Hey Gino, I'm talking to America. Oh my bad. Talking to America bad. right I, now. I, my bad. I, I forgot this was televised. I just needed yeah. to complain. I'm sorry. That was a bad call. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you know hey, what? I I sincerely disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Um, talk about bumps in the road. Let's hit a couple of them. Ooh, Chase yes, Claypool. Let's hit a bunch. He, Chase Claypool and the Bears have hit a bit of a bump in the road, Steve. <laughs> and, and when I say bump in the road, I mean the plane has crashed into the mountain. Um, <laughs> it has been a re- an insane seven days, roughly, uh, for the Bears. I'm curious with all your time in the league, because let, let's break this down. This has happened, and I'll get to Claypool real quick. You have your head coach go up to the podium, tell everybody there's nothing happening with our defensive coordinator. He's still our defensive coordinator off the podium. An hour later, a resignation letter is submitted by your defensive coordinator that he's no longer there. You have the quarterback on the same day say that it's coaching. uh, And I think there's a little bit of like, 
shortening Justin Fields, what he's saying to make sure we get our proper clicks on Twitter uh, to make sure you throw him under the bus enough. But then he has to go and reverse course and speak again the same day in the locker room to clarify his statements. Backpelling better than some of their corners. Continue. Exactly. And then that that was on a Wednesday, I believe. And then on, on Sunday, Chase Claypool is not there. His his stuff is hung. His his he was inactive. His his you know his sweatsuits hung in the locker, uh, there for him. But he doesn't show up. Matt Eberflus asked repeatedly, was he asked to stay home? No. Did you guys ask him to stay home? No. Then the writers go upstairs, start typing away at Soldier Field. Somebody comes around and goes, oh by the way, we did ask him to stay home. We want to clarify that. Have you ever been a part of an organization to where I don't know if it's communication, lack thereof, just the issues to the point of going like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. Have you ever experienced that? Because usually sometimes something like that happens maybe once for a season. This is three of them in like five days. Yeah, it, so it's, it's tough because what do you say? When it rains, it pours. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly to the extent of the defense, the defense coordinator, but he's take, he, he resigned taking time away for his family, whatever. Man, hope, I hope just as a as a guy, as a husband, as a father, man, when you have something like that happens, you hope it's not as as bad as it sounds or rumors to be. For sure. You, you right? You hope that this is not career ending or damaging. Because if you most of these coaches become coaches. When you see them being defensive coordinators, they have been coaching in the league and around football for 20-plus years, mm-hmm. right? They have been volunteering, GAs, assistants, quality control guys to get to the coordinator because the next step from coordinator at some point is an opportunity to run your own show and be a head coach. Ask Brandon Staley. He did one year yes. as a coordinator. But my point, so, but, but real quick, before yeah. you proceed, my point is, I totally get what you're talking about, uh, about Allen Williams. But my yes. point is the dysfunction in a sense of why well, doesn't Matt Eberflus say we will have a statement coming up later or just. Because, because it's, to me, that sounds, it's that bad. Mm-hmm. It's that bad of a, I guess, dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's just, if, if, if all the truth came out, it, it'll take more time to un untangle how and why because if you start to say what happened people well hold up wait a minute let me put some boom in it um (laughs) people start to like well hold on when did this start well so y'all just gonna let that slide but you could have been my point is you could have handled it without giving any information Listen, we're not going to get you. You know, you've seen coaches do that a million times. The, my point is the disconnect that keeps happening throughout it in terms of the communication. Well, so I mean, let's. could have said, right? He could have yeah. said, "What?" I think. I'm not I think get it's into that it. bad. That's okay. why I think it's that bad. Okay. And I could be wrong. Not everybody handles. Not everybody handles fickle situations the best, right? Yeah, we were talking about two minute. Okay, that's chaos. Yes. Look at what's happening now. Uh, uh, Man, I got my defense coordinator right before the begin before the season starts. He's he's quit, or re, you know he resigned. Then, first of all, when they drafted, I mean when they traded for Ch- Chase Claypool, Claypool, the Steelers 
said, thank you. They said, we'll give you a stale donut and some rotten coffee. I'll take it. That's why evaluation is extremely important. Chase Claypool coming out of Notre Dame, I saw him as a tight end. Steelers tried I watched to do him. They Steelers tried to do it. He said, man, I'm not playing tight end. I heard, man, I'm not playing tight end. I, I refuse. Then he goes out there and has success as a jump ball guy. He goes out there and has success. He's out there on the same team uh, with Juju Smith, Schuster, and they're doing TikToks, and he's flowing. And he thinks now that's why when these, some of these young players that are drafted, Go to storybook franchises. Yes, as a former Raven, I'm just saying. You got to say it about I the Steelers. I have to say it. The Steelers, Giants, Chicago, Ravens, 49ers. Man, there are some organizations I may be missing. New England, Packers. Packers. When you go to those teams, the ball boy is considered a pillar in the community because of how much they love the their team. The boy is a pillar of the community. Got clout, bro. He got clout. Mm-hmm. I'm not. He he don't even have the standing line of the club, right? <laughs> he got a plug. Somebody's doing his homework in high school. Yeah, yeah. like it's it is. <laughs> I've seen it. Like I'm like, bro. It is bananas. Like I've seen guys. I've met guys from other teams. When I was playing in Carolina, I'm like, I just talked to this dude, and I felt like I was nobody. Yeah. This dude was like, he was he was walking around like, I mean, I, have you, I've watched some of these teams. I've watched a dude on a team, and I'm not going to name, he has not played one snap this season yet. My man got three different chains on, on the sideline with designer tennis shoes and has not – been, he has not been active one time this year. Has not played a stickity snap. Wait, what, is he in one of these? Is, you can't give it away. He's, I, he's on one of these franchises, I, though. I, these story I, I, franchises. Not doing it. My point is, is walking around like, yo, I'm in the league, dog, and I'm on one of the best teams. I'm on one of the best teams. Chase Claypool is one of those guys, he he played well, and then he goes, you know, bring up that clip, go on I Am Athlete when he's talking to, to, to uh, B. Marsh. Man, I just feel like I'm one of the best corner, I'm one of the best wide receivers. When I'm locked in, I'm one of the best. Boy, you ain't even a top 20, dog. You're a situational football player that you fell into a great, great time. And then I heard that they were like, yo, we drafted, we drafted George Pickens to replace you. And he walking around like he got, I don't have a championship either, but I, I got a few yards. He walking around like he, he had 2,000 yards, two straight seasons. Because all you are, bro, is a jump ball king. That's all he is. And then he's coming out in, in practice, walking around like, like he, like he uh, Denzel Washington in training day, Hey, up in the up in the jungles <laughs> down the street from Dorsey High School, talking to the Bloods like, "Yo, <laughs> this, I King Kong ain't got <laughs> on me." 
the issue other is it, it, the other issue with this team is like the, the Bears have said that the lack of effort, uh, you know, in in weeks one and two. Uh, now he's been asked to be away from the team uh, this week. Not just they're paying season. him to sit at the house. Yeah, man, that brother. Hey, they just I I know man. Call of Duty's coming out, bro. Just sit at the house, clap your chest, and play Call of Duty, bro. <laughs> All right. So listen, I'm going to talk about some receivers though, Steve. That that I do think have a little bit better uh, makeup than we've seen from Chase Claypool so far. And I'm going to break down a receiver room that, okay. as a Buckeye, the plum was right up there, uh, I'm fascinated with. I had a chance to chat with Jackson Smith and Jigba for a while. You and I went to Pro Day, watched him, watched him out, go out there and play out of the slot. And now he's up there playing with some, some guys in Seattle. But his wide receiver room at one point in Columbus, Ohio, was – First-round pick Chris Olave, first-round pick Garrett Wilson, first-round pick Jamison Williams. Yes, he ended up transferring going to Alabama, but he was in that room. Himself as a first-round pick, and probably the best receiver out of all of them, Marvin Harrison Jr., who's still at Ohio State. Can't, can't, can't wait to do that pro day. Oh, God, it's going to be unbelievable. Unbelievable. He may not even have a quarterback throw to him. He's got that robot that throws things to him all the time when he's out there working out by himself. He might just have a solo workout, just him. But So I asked Jackson. Let's make a superhuman Frankenstein wide receiver here. Mm. T- give me the best attributes of each one of your former teammates. I can't tell you how excited he was to do this. For me, that shows me one thing, Steve, that he really, really likes his teammates. Like that he yeah. thinks the world of these guys. If he wanted to do this and he was pumped about it, he didn't have any beep in that room going like, oh, man, I got to say nothing about Garrett. So do you mm. – let me tell you this. Do you want me to tell you what he took from each guy or do you want to guess? No, tell me who tell you. Okay. All right. Guy. We'll start yeah. with the first one, Garrett Wilson, who okay. I have been told by Chris Olave and I have been told by now Jackson Smith and Jigba, he is the best athlete that they have ever been around. Mm. Best athlete. Either one said they've ever been around in their life. So Jackson says athleticism, body control, and yards after the catch for Garrett Wilson. I, oh, Oh, I agree with that. Okay, perfect. That's too what he bad, took from Garrett. Too bad we won't be able to get to see it this year with Zach Wilson, the quarterback. Continue. <laughs> Listen, as long as they set him up to succeed like a PB&J, we might see it. Mm. Chris Olave down there with the Saints. This was an interesting one. And I, did, I didn't give any, like, I didn't give any, like, you have to say these things, these traits. He came up with them on his own, the traits. He said his approach to the game, his speed, and his intelligence. When I asked him about approach to the game, he said his ability to, to feel and see things within a defense. That was his, his approach to running, playing the wide receiver spot. Okay? Okay. Jamison Williams, he said speed and celebration factor. He says a tremendous – his celebrations are out of this world. We haven't seen him yet. He hasn't played. But <laughs> the speed, he said, Jamo, he said, Jamo's speed is just, is just, and I was like, dude, Alave's got another gear. I mean, he, yeah, he, he, he can move, but he was like, no, I'll, I'll, I'm going to give the speed factor to, to Jameson Wynn. Wow. Cause, well, cause he's seen it up close. He's seen exactly. it so many times. Exactly. Oh, wow. Okay. And then Marvin, he was like, first off, he goes, Marvin's the best receiver out of all of us. <laughs> he goes, okay. route running. He said, nobody in our room is even close to him in terms of a route runner. Wow. No one? No one. He said his route running is through the roof. And his vision, he said he sees everything. He said yeah, his yeah, vision that, that's, that, He gets that from his pops. Apart. Probably. Probably. He, he gets asked. So, so before you say. Jackson had. He, what, 
Yeah, what Jackson had? Jackson. Okay. Yeah, yeah, what Jackson. He was because he had re, he had originally given hands to Garrett Wilson. And oh, he, he said t- he snatched that. He said, "I bet you know what? I got to give myself so I'm gonna go hands for me." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta go hands for me, and that's all he would give himself. He was, you know, yeah. I said, "Hey, man, you got to learn to be an NFL receiver and put some, put you know, all of these on you, uh, pump up that ego." But he, he only reluctantly hands for himself. What are your thoughts? So is whole is Ohio State becoming wide receiver? You, I, I it might. Certainly isn't hasn't been quarterback uh, you, but Brian Hartline is doing a he is. great he job really is. down there in them cowboy boots. <laughs> Marvin Harrison Jr. at his pro day, I got to talk to for the second time in my whole life. Talk to Marvin Harrison Sr. Marvin Harrison. I kind of fanboyed and just like I when I when there's some receivers. I'm like, ah, I need as much information as I possibly can. I saw Jerry, and it was like, I need information. He's kind of like, ooh, backup, Steve. You still want all that. (laughs) (laughs) Slow down. But do you still want all that information even though you're done playing? Just because you want that that knowledge? No, no, no. This is when I was playing. This is when I was playing, right? I thought you still Uh, wanted that. T.O., great dude, gives the information, right? All these guys. But Marvin... Marvin is such a quiet guy. It yeah. was like, it was me and Marvin, and I'm like, I saw him a few times. He's like, mm, nope. Mm. And so I had to, you know, I had to talk to him. I said, okay, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. Ah, let's Couple go. Couple bullet points of talking points before you start. I know I got to ask Marvin these three things. I'm coming yes. in prepared. It was so good because I watched Marvin over the years, like his, his ability to use his speed, he could slow it down, his body control. Um, how he would place himself between the ball and himself, but the ball and the defender, and still not put himself in harm way, in mm-hmm. harm's way. Bro, I, it was like the highlight of my day, and I was at the Pro Bowl. And There's a lot of highlights Marvin, to have at the Pro Bowl, too. But it you know what was I mean? That's talking amazing. to Marvin Harrison about football, and it was just I was just asking him, and he's not... You know, he's not a talker. He's very, you know, low-key. He was so intentional. It was like, I was like, I'm done. Yeah. I made a doggy. This is it. <laughs> was he one of those guys when you talk to him where you go, you walk away and go like, man, this dude just has it figured out. Like, he's just got, yes. a, he's just got a cheat code on life a little bit. Like, he just but understands. He, he gave me the knowledge. He was I your splinter. I was like, I was like, you know what? I need to, oh, he's gone. (laughs) Gone. (laughs) Because I had a follow-up. It was like, you know, you get this information, you're like. And now I've talked to him once. I can do a follow-up. Yeah. Gone. God, just vanished. So, so at, 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 uh, at, uh, JSN's pro day, I got to see Marvin and I told him, I said, you know, that time we talked at the pro bowl, he says, you still remember that? I said, yeah, I still remember it. Mm-hmm. And I said, can I tell you what it meant? He goes, what? And I'm, I'm kind of getting emotional saying it right now. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Go, Steve. I said it, it meant everything to me because there's so many guys, right? I, I was drafted with Santana Moss. So I didn't really see, I didn't look up to Santana Moss. It was a little bit of competition, but I respect it. 
and, and love the grind, so it was always good with Moss. But with, with Marvin, it was like I watched him on film like a, like a stalker. I just watched everything he did, why he did it, how he did it. Back in the day, they had turf. I was with, I don't know who I was with. I know I wasn't with Nike at the time. And I was playing Atlanta, and Marvin had some Jordans on and on turf. So I was like, well, Marvin balled in them. So yeah, I got to do this. I, I, I got to play in some Jordans. Yeah. So I was playing in Jordans because Marvin, Marvin. I wasn't even with Nike. I couldn't even wear Nike. But I was like, getting my Marvin Harrison on today. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and Marvin was just one of those players, man, that like, I so wanted to be like him. I wanted the presence on the field to say, where Steve, you know, when they talk about, you know, you talk about posing receivers, there's like, okay, coordinators always say, where's that player? When I watch film, they're showing the play of the Colts, and the ball could be going to Dallas Clark. It could be going to Anthony, who's now a senator or whatever, Gonzalez, who played Ohio State. Yeah. Um, Brandon Stokely? uh, Brandon Stokely. Man, I ain't watching none of them dudes. Reggie Wayne. I'm watching Marvin Marvin. Harrison. What is Marvin doing on a run play? What is – did he blow his nose with Sharman? Give me Pac Sharmas, please. (laughs) Just whatever Marvin did, I wanted to follow. Right? Jerry had already been – this is where his hairline was back here and he was already with the Raiders. So, yeah. Right? Um, Right across there? (laughs) Yeah. With Marvin – I just, man, I just, I, I just think the world of him. I just, what he was able to do, how he did it, and the way he went about his business was just so different. I wanted to know, how can I be close? Does that make you enjoy watching Marvin Jr. then? Like, because of the, like, or a more of a, an extra eye, a more of a fascination, because you're like, this is the son of the guy that I just couldn't stop studying. I got to see how he plays, how he moves. Is it like and, Marvin? And, is it like, you know what I mean? Well, so I, like, I asked Marvin, and Marvin said what I was thinking, but I wasn't going to tell Marvin that. No. Uh-uh. Sit on your Junior's hands. Junior's better, bro. Really? Junior is better. I mean, I, Marvin was built differently, mm-hmm. but Marvin Jr., Yeah. that boy ain't playing with nobody. <laughs> like, he's just a different dude. What is like, it? He took his dad's stuff, mm-hmm. been around football all the time, and he said, cool, all right, okay, mm. all right, mm. Mm. study, lock in, bang. And he grew up and said, he grew up Marvin Harrison, Marvin Harrison Jr. And Marvin even said it to him. He was like, man, he's so much better than me. Really? Yes. That's cool, man. That's real cool. That's unreal. Like he he has everything, right, Steve? Like, does he have a part yeah, of his he's got game? That when and you're... a bag of chips, bro. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's while well, the catch he made last year is the one that stands out to me the most. The one where he was literally getting pulled out of bounds and then somehow just tapped his one foot down. Like, remember his whole body's getting pulled out of bounds and he's yeah. bent backwards and he's just like, oh, I gotta get a foot in real quick. Taps so it. He didn't even look. Here's no- what human. makes. Here's what makes Marvin Harrison Jr. such a dynamic football player. Because he been, he's been around ball so much, 
in my humble opinion, Marvin Harrison Jr. is in his bag soon as the game starts. Like, you know, it takes players a little bit of time to for the ball to be like the football becomes the size of a volleyball or becomes the size of a basketball. Marvin Harrison Jr. is the ball. He's in the zone already. It's pretty cool when you have an entire room of first round picks that probably if you gave him all truth serum or you don't even need to, I don't think. I think Garrett said it and Alave has said it. And I think Jackson said it. Yeah, he's the best receiver. I mean, for receivers in the same room to admit, no, this other guy's just better than all of us. It's, and he's it's not even cool. that. Bro, I watched him just warm up, and I'm just I watch him warm up his routine, and I'm like, you know, sometimes they always say, you know, the inheritance mm-hmm. or the legacy of someone. They say the second doesn't always get the same attributes. Yeah, like Ninja he Turtles Two: Secret of the Use. Yes, thought it was gonna he be, got thought it. it was going to be superior, but it wasn't. Yes, he got it. He got it. Boom. Steve, you want to wrap this up with a little uh, Kirk Cousins getting like, what was what your thought on the pick six? On Cousins real quick. Uh, Here it is. Well, he was late. First of all, hold on, pause it, pause it. First of all, he's late to this throw. They're running. Look, three by one. Oh. They're running. This three show's by going one, full you have, you have, uh, I know, isn't that clutch? So it. you have uh, a TJ Hawkinson. Hawkinson is running. They're run, going to make uh, a Franklin, Sam Franklin, run over the hump. Then you got Osborne going to the flat. You got to throw the ball right now. There's no rush. I think there's a little bit of rush coming to his left side, so he has to step up. But he just got to throw it right now. He's open now. He's got him. Then he throws it to the inside shoulder because he's late. Sam Franklin picks the ball off. And then Kirk Cousin, first of all, before pause it. Right there before, I got to say this. Kirk Cousins will never be Superman. Okay? Back. He ain't Superman. Kirk Cousins is Clark Kent. Okay, that's fine. Clark's had a pretty successful career. Yes, just right at the Daily Bugle, do not try to stop any villains. Mm -hmm. Now run it. Watch Clark Kent in the fullest. So he's getting there. Yatow! (laughs) Wow. So you you don't want him to make the play. You want him to write about the play. That's what, yes. You that close, man. Take a picture. Why didn't he do the total, like, I'm curious, Steve, why didn't he do the total um, quarterback thing where they, they make it look like they're running real hard in this play? But they're just because, making sure they're not running fast enough to get anywhere close to getting the end. Because when you're a square, bro, you got to go all out, man. I like it. Now, it cost him. Now, I would give him a 10 on his ability not to harm himself by falling on his neck because... Some people that's say, true. oh, that man, that's dramatic. He didn't get hit that hard. Mm-hmm. When you're going that fast, when you have that govern on that golf cart and you actually turn the govern off mm-hmm. the few times you are allowed to, he's hitting, yeah. he's hitting a speed he rarely hits ever. That's true. So his body was just adjusting to the... His body was going, Un- I don't remember what I've gone this fast. I never run this fast, <laughs> and I definitely have not been hit running this fast. So his body just naturally responded. It's fast. Yeah. Well, Steve, there that's it is. What that's what you have. That's what you have. Yep. Steve, I appreciate you having me on, man. 
I love this. I'm going to be back a bunch this season. I'm going to tell you that right now. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, the last thing before we close. Yeah. I didn't know you went to Ohio State, bro. You didn't? How did I not bring it up to you once or 11 times when we were standing in the Woody Hayes Athletics? Because what happened to Utah? What do you mean? In a Rose Bowl. Oh. And Michael Robinson just finally admitted on air the other day. He was like, I've been waiting to tell you. What happened to you, Utes? And I I just, I I was stunned. I was like, oh, so, hey. Appreciate it. The best, dude. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.